Hello, welcome back. We are going to finish Kyra's motherhood journey story. This is part two. So if you haven't listened to part one, go back and listen to part one or else it's not going to make any sense. So we're just starting back, you know, after 25 minutes, just starting back in the middle of that recording that I had so that it wasn't such a long episode at the beginning. But I'm really excited to hear the rest of her story. It's such an inspiration and a very, very cool story. Anyway, so yeah, I told Jason we were going to do fostering and he was, he was kind of rejecting it first. He was like, no, we're going to have our own kids first. And okay, whatever you say. <laughs> um, but if you talk to Jason, he would say, I'm sure glad that Kyra is as stubborn as she is. Cause if not, we wouldn't have the kids we have mm-hmm. to this day. Anyway, so we started fostering, uh, or, or doing the process in Utah and it took us forever it took us like six, seven months, I would say, because we had just moved from another state. They have to do double the background check, double the fingerprints. Mm-hmm. Um, and so it takes longer for all of those things. Even though it says they need foster parents, it still takes long, the process. And in the meantime, we were trying to get pregnant uh, as well. We got pregnant a few times, but by this point... I was having miscarriages at six to eight weeks. I have never got further than that, basically, since, since moving to Utah. Mm-hmm. And that's when I found out that I barely had any eggs, plus uh, the three DNCs that, I, that they had to do previously in Virginia have made it so my uterus, uterus lining is super thin. And mm-hmm. so babies don't attach very well. So yeah. So, so how did you feel in that moment? Were you very discouraged? I, I was discouraged, but at the same time, it was such a, I don't know how to explain it. It's, it's almost like one of those like, ha moment. Cause so many people think that they are doctors when they talk to you and like, you're young, at least you can get pregnant, you know, and just, just stop thinking about this. And when the doctor said, you don't have that many eggs. I could have easily just started crying, but literally the first thing I said was, I knew it. I knew I should just just keep trying, you know, when I wanted to. I'm glad I'm listening to my body and not to people trying to be doctors. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, there was definitely discouraged, too, because then I knew that now I had to work harder to get pregnant. I have always said that (laughs) I might be only 20 something now. Um, look like a 30 something, but my uterus is like a 40, 50 year old. So I have to work harder to get pregnant, not because I'm young or because I'm not working or because I might be relaxed or be financially good. I can get pregnant that easily. I have to work harder for sure. Harder than a lot of women out there. Like, a lot. <laughs> so what does that look like? Tracking ovulation? Tracking ovulation. Um, temperature checks. Everything. Positions. Um, vitamins. Herbal the- teas. Essential oils. Medicine. Strength, stress management. Um, anxiety management. Uh, PTSD. You name it. I have tried everything. I have. I have to do everything. With every pregnancy, I have tried everything too. And every miscarriage has been a different 
thing too. So I have not, it hasn't been a consistent thing. So they can't really say the reason why either. Um, yeah, they have done trials on me. They have used me as a guinea pig almost. I'm one in a million. You name it. <laughs> I mean, um, Heparin, Levinox. Um, I, I can tell you a lot of doctor medical terms <laughs> that many pregnant women don't even know, but I know. I, I go to their office and they're talking doctor language and I'm over there like, yep, nope, I did that. No, I didn't do that or whatever. Anyways. So you started, so you got in, into fostering. Yeah. You did the application. It mm-hmm. took quite a while. Mm-hmm. And then we graduated what- the class. We we got approved. We had the home study and everything. Um, and we got the first call um, in August 2016. August 2016, we got the first call. It was three kids, three boys. Um, we were very excited, super excited. Um, ages four to and 11 months and... 30 days. So the next day was going to be his birthday. <laughs> and we thought, oh, this is going to be fun. Um, and they called us and said they had three African babies or kids. And we're like, oh, okay, that, that should be interesting. Um, we don't have any African, Amer- American African um, people in our family. So that's going to be interesting to, to learn about. Um, when they got home... <laughs> Blonde kids, <laughs> white blonde kids, and all I thought was, okay, I must be in a different state or Utah. People don't know what African American is because these are not African American kids at all. What's going on? And so I was like, did you got confused or like, did you have to bring other kids other than the ones you said you were going to bring? Like, what happened over here? And these are like white kids. You can tell. Mm-hmm. Um. And it was fine. We were fine with whatever. We just wanted to have kids in our family. So I was just excited. Um, Our lives got to a point where, I mean, our marriage is amazing, but our lives got to a point where Sundays felt very long because we had done done already everything that we could have done on a Sunday, even take a nap, wake up. And it was like, what do we do now? You know, and so we were ready to have kids that will overwhelm our life, really. <laughs> so when these kids came, um, literally the word overwhelm was like, it was little. These kids were a lot. It was, oh my gosh. How old were you? I was, must have been 23 at that point. 23, 24, baby. Okay. So, so you yeah. get these three rambunctious boys. Yeah. Yeah. And so... They are all talking like babies. So the four-year-old talks like an 18-month-old. The two-year-old barely says a word. And the 11-month-old, all he does is cry and scream for hours and hours and hours unless you're holding him. And I remember the first hours were so difficult. The first day, all I wanted to do was cry. And by the second day, I kneeled down in the hallway of my house. And I just said, Heavenly Father, this is not okay. <laughs> I asked for kids and this is what you give me. <laughs> yeah. And so I called the caseworker and I said, 
I'm done. I don't want to be a mom anymore. <laughs> Can you please take the kids back? And I was only with them for like a week or less than a week, maybe. And so she took the kids away um, and they put us on hold in foster care. And um, my husband was not disappointed. He was like, I was ready to give up too. And then I had a call from my stepmom who has never had kids of her own. except for me and my sisters. She basically raised us as well as my mom and my dad. And she told me something. I was like, oh my gosh, I really have to change my life again. <laughs> she said, you've been married for almost five years. You have no idea what it is to have kids. And you're getting used to the life of being single kind of with your, your husband, your partner, right? And you have to have kids in your home because if you don't have them for in the next year, you're never going to have kids. You're not going to want to have kids again. And so I was like, okay, if she's saying that, then it's true because she has never had kids of her own except for us. And she's very young still and she does not want to have kids at all. Um, I want you to actually be a mom. You could be a mom. So please go get kids. <laughs> and so I called the caseworker and I said, hey, if the family that's getting them or that got them, which by the way, it was a nurse and I don't remember the job that he had, this the mm -hmm. parents that took the kids um, and, ha and they had more kids, which my husband and I thought, okay, they're better parents. They're going to be better parents for these kids. They know already how to deal with them and whatever. But I, after having that conversation with my stepmom and going to a state conference, I felt the impression to call the caseworker and say, if the family doesn't take them or doesn't want them anymore, we can absolutely take them back. We're ready now. And we were not ready, but I remember that Sunday, um, it was actually Labor Day weekend. Um, that Sunday, I cleaned up the house in a different way. Um, I'm very organized. I love decoration. I'm, I'm an interior designer. And so my house looks almost like a magazine. Not anymore because now I have kids in the house. <laughs> but me and my husband, my house always looked like a magazine. It was beautiful, right? And so I changed my house. I was like, I'm going to make my house more appropriate for kids. And especially this kids, even though I didn't know if they were going to come back. And so Monday is free. It's, it's an off day, right? It's a holiday. Tuesday, 8 a.m., I receive a text from the caseworker saying, are you sure you can take the kids back? Because the family can't take care of them and they really want to bring them back. And so I said, yeah, I can go pick them up. And so I picked them up and I remember giving them a few rules in the car saying, okay, this is how it's going to be. We're going to have a schedule. <laughs> and I started being very army mom. And I can't even imagine how, how that would be going from none, none to three, to three and not even like newborns or, you know, like they're all, well, different we, all they we all, they always call them the triplets because yeah. they barely talk. So it was like having triplets literally. Yes. Mm -hmm. And it was, it was hectic. It was, it was the longest 10 months of our lives. It was very difficult kids. They had a lot of trauma. There was a lot of like food hoarding. There was um, defiance. There was autism, supposedly, but then we figured it out it was not that. It was more like partially blind and partially deaf. Um, there was, uh, 
a lot of whining. There was so much, so much. So yeah, we had them for 10 months. It was, it was the hardest 10 months of my life in a way. But I learned so much on how to be a mom and what I wanted to do for the future. And for my future kids, um, when Jason and I got into fostering, I did said that I wanted to do it more to help kids. Because if it was going to be the only way that I was going to be able to be a mom, then I would take it. It was fine. At least we were doing something, you know. I never went with the intention of adoption right away. I wanted to help not just the kids, but the whole family. And so, so yeah, these kids, we were in between. There were times that the caseworker would say, I think they might not go back with mom or they are going to go back with mom. And so we, we definitely have, they put us in a, in a position where we have to think, would we adopt them or not? Would we want them to be part of our family or not? And so we were, we were in between a lot with these kids, but it got to a point where we were like, we just hope they, either go back with parents or they find a, a more suitable adopted family. Anyways, um, they went back with mom. Um, and we were <laughs> free of kids for like a month and a half or two months. And we got in the middle of a family reunion, which usually I'm the one who Host those family reunions. Um, we received a call about two kids, two boys, um, a one-year-old, well, one-year-old, 20 months, and a 10-month-old. So babies, basically. Two boys. And I was like, okay, I guess I really wanted to be a boy mom, so <laughs> bring on the boys again. They were at the Christmas box, and so I had to go pick them up. Um Funny story over here. I went with a toddler or a convertible car seat and an infant car seat to the Christmas box. When I grabbed the kids, <laughs> the 10 month old is 24 pounds. So he is not an infant at all. <laughs> and he was so tight on that car seat. Um, the poor kid went super tight all the way to the house. I have to go change clothes because I had bought already clothes and everything. Anyways, those um, are my kids right now, my boys, Philip and Henry. So we took them very little. In the beginning, they had told us they they were only going to need us for like a week or so because they were looking into other families. Um, the weeks turn into months and months turn into eternity so far. Um the fam they had family that could have uh taken them, but their birth mom, Destiny, uh, I love her. She's like a sister to me. Um, when we met, we we she knew right away that I was gonna be the mom of her kids. And when I met my kids, I knew right away these were my kids. And there was never, never uh doubting day on adoption at all. Um, and to this day, we try to help Destiny and her mom um, with their struggles. And we love them. We see them every month. Um, after having the boys for a year, Destiny deliver a baby girl. Um, and that's Charlotte, our girl. That's three now. In between all that, I still had a lot of pregnancies. Um, 
and they all lasted like till six, seven weeks. So I have never been further in that. I think it's something in the air in Utah. <laughs> no. Um, so <clears throat> did you get Charlie when she was a newborn? I got Charlie from the day she was born. I was at the delivery room. I was the one who cut the umbilical cord. Mm-hmm. Oh, okay. Yeah. <clears throat> so I got it from day one. And the day after um, Destiny delivered Charlie, she gave up her rights voluntarily. And we adopted the kids and we got sealed to them. And in August, we'll be three years anniversary for us with them. And those are perfect kids. <laughs> They're not perfect. They still have trauma. Even Charlotte that we took as a baby, she has trauma and she's my handful one. Um, but we love them. They were definitely our kids from day one. There's no doubt. They have taught me how to be the best mom out there, as they usually mention every day. Um, I'm sure glad for all of the miscarriages and stillborn that I had because it wouldn't take us where we are. That's for sure. Even if I would have Aiden, baby Aiden, I don't think we would have even moved from Virginia at all. So as sad as it is, I'm, I'm glad it happened because I love Philip Henry and Charlotte with all my life. I would do anything and everything for them. They're mine. Even when I didn't deliver them. Um, yeah, after that we had had, let's see, three, three sets, three more sets of foster kids. Um, some have been very short, like I I think, let's see, one of them was probably like a month and a half. The next one was only like three weeks because usually they, they try to find family kinship. And so they have done that for those. Then we recently just had another group of three for, uh, we had them for probably like nine months. Yeah, nine months. And they just went um, with their prospect adopted uh, family. It was bittersweet, but we were excited. And now we are expecting right again. I haven't been pregnant in like a year and a half or so. Um, We're expecting and... It sounds like it's going well. We're not sure anything can happen, but we're just having faith, I guess, that maybe this is the time. <laughs> well, that's a really beautiful and inspiring story. I, I have a question about how was it when you were when you adopted the three, Philip, Henry, and Charlotte, and then you were still fostering other kids? Was that hard to juggle? Like, did you feel like at some point you were just relieved to finally have your own kids. You've adopted them. They're now officially yours and you're still fostering. Did you feel stretched, overwhelmed? Like, why are we still doing this? Or did (laughs) did you feel like your heart just, you, you felt like you still needed, you still had a purpose or you still had a reason to be in these other children's lives. Yeah. So, um, like I have mentioned before, I have always felt like I need a challenge in my life. And so Philip, Henry, and Charlotte, they were amazing kids. Like, I mean, they're amazing kids, but they were like really good. They were settled in our home. They knew the rules. They, um, you know, they're, they're kids and they do their stuff and whatever. But 
like they follow i whistle they come you know <laughs> it's like it's like they we have a good system you know but it got boring <laughs> it got very boring all of a sudden in covid and i was like i need a challenge my kids are not challenging anymore <laughs> i need a challenge jason so we we renew our fostering license and <laughs> And we got a group of two girls, and they were just so easy, too. And she was 10, and the sister was probably five or six. They were very, very easy, very eager to please and beautiful. Um, but they left because they, they went back with their grandma. And then we had the three kids that they just left our home a month ago. And, oh, my gosh, that was quite the challenge. <laughs> But I was so glad when they left because I was like, okay, I don't want any more challenge. I'm I'm ready to have back my kids yeah. that know the rules, that are good at grocery shopping with me, are good at going to Disneyland. <laughs> I wouldn't dare to even take six kids to Disneyland. I can take my three kids everywhere. I can take Philip and Henry and Charlotte everywhere. Like we go traveling all the time. We go on road trips all the time. Um, usually it's just me and the three kids because my husband works. But I do everything pretty much with the three of them. And they're awesome. And so, yeah, a lot of the times taking other kids is more my mental thing of I need a challenge. But <laughs> I finally have come to terms to say, okay, <laughs> I think I'm fine. I don't need another challenge. I can do other stuff. So, I think now I'm going to tackle more on interior design challenges <laughs> instead of kids. <laughs> no more kids for us, except for maybe pregnancy. Maybe just this pregnancy hopefully goes through and we'll close. Um, maybe another foster kid, hopefully not. But if Philip, Henry, and Charlotte have a sibling out there that needs help, we'll definitely take that baby or toddler whatever but yeah I think we're pretty much done with fostering I think we did what we had to do in the community and and I think we we have fulfilled our purpose on that on that side. chapter yeah on that chapter yeah we're ready to tackle other stuff I mean our kids are growing up they're now going finally to school and stuff and we're gonna tackle full speed homeschool so and I have a three-year-old did I mention that already oh my gosh she's a three-year <laughs> so yeah I have to tackle that one yeah right the, the three-natures are really hard yeah <laughs> but you're you know it's it's also feels good when you get to that chapter you know when you're like okay I did we're it. all out of diapers, <laughs> yeah. you know, like we're, yeah. you know, we're yeah. moving on to this next phase of life and, yep. and it feels kind of good and refreshing to move forward and kind of ch close those doors and open the new ones. Um, but overall, your story has just always been inspiring to me. I've always really stood in awe of you and I think it's really amazing. So thank you so much for sharing your story with the rest of us. Um, I think that many more people are going to feel inspired and I think that, um, you know, this is going to be awesome for people that are questioning fostering or, you know, that have struggled with infertility or yeah. miscarriages to be able to hear your story and feel comforted and, and yep. together and not so alone. So thank you, Kyra, for sharing You're your story. Welcome. 
And um, thank you for listening. Please share this episode with anyone and everyone you want to.